Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Ricardo Carvalho to my Fabio Carvalho. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, how the devil are you? I'm, uh, I'm very good. The voice is a bit jaded from uh, an East Midlands derby, but uh, I can't mm. complain too much. No, well, it was a very good atmosphere at Pride Park once. It, it was, was? A really the, the atmosphere was probably better than the actual game. <laughs> we'll talk <laughs> about that in a sec, ladies and gentlemen. We're doing things a bit different on the second tier this week. Before we get on to that, welcome to the number one championship specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, we're doing things a bit different this week because I'm going on holiday. Um, and we had no other time to record this but on Saturday night. So. Here we are. We are doing it the old style way, just in the way we used to do it before we had people contributing to the show. So it's just a me and you, old boy. We'll take it. It's, it's nice to be back to the classics, but um, you know, never forget your roots, all that. Exactly. That is exactly <laughs> what I'm thinking. So we're going to run through all the matches that have happened in the Championship this weekend, talk about some of the news from the past few days as well, and then we'll finish off with Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight right at the end. So let's kick off, Justin, with the big one, the East Midlands derby between Derby and Forest. It finished one all after Brennan Johnson equalised. As you say, you're at the game. What did you make of it all? Um, well, as far as East Midlands derbies go, that was actually not a bad one, was it? Because normally they're actually really drab and terrible. Um, but it was quite a, quite a good game. I thought Derby were brilliant in the first half. I thought Forest were good in the second half in the first half I was very surprised at how bad Forest were yep. um, it, they, they what, actually I, I'd, I'd, I'd go as far as to say it's one of the worst performances I've seen live so far this season um, they were really really bad and I don't think it was helped by Derby tactically because Derby that false nine with Tom Lawrence up front um, worked really well because Garner and Yates just could not get a handle and they were playing so many balls in around the box it was a very good performance from Derby in the first half Dropped in the second again, second week in the row they've done that, but I can only imagine that's down to um, to squad depth, really. Yeah, I think you're pretty much spot on. The, f- the first half, Forest were absolutely dire. It was like watching a pub team. The amount of was, times yeah. they booted the ball out of play, it was comical. It really was, and uh, the goal as well. I mean, it was a beautiful assist by Craig Forsyth, but the defending leaves a lot to be desired really um, the goal that Brennan Johnson scored I thought Kel Ruse should have saved it would you agree with that um, he'd be disappointed with it because it's gone under him but I think you've got to look at Craig Forsyth missing the header and then Shinny letting the ball go under his foot I think they're, they're the key points you've got to go. You've got to look at arguably a foul throw from Bong as well Let's, let's not go into refereeing decisions. Okay. Let's do that right now. Because uh, Craig Forsyth, just talking about him making that amazing assist, but should he have been on the pitch? Because video evidence showed he may have stamped on a... Was it Zinkenagel? I think it was, it was. wasn't it? I... And, and I know this is going to enrage Forest fans. I thought it was accidental. Did you? Yeah. I did as well. Obviously, Forest fans will say there's a bit of bias there, but anyone falling backwards has no control over where their legs go and Craig Forsyth was just falling backwards. I mean, Craig Forsyth barely has any control over his legs anyway. Um, so there's there's no way he's meant to stamp on Zinkenagel because he's, he's going backwards. I mean, he's looked over his shoulder, but how scary is it when you're falling backwards? You have no idea what's going on. Terrifying. It's terrifying, exactly. Absolutely petrifying. Uh, but Scott McKenna's knee, 
was man of the match for me. That incredible block, uh, which just nicked off his knee after Jack Stretton looked like he was destined to find the back of the net and give Derby all three points. Rooney will be disappointed that his side couldn't hold on to all three points, but I, I thought Forrest best performance in the second half that we've seen so far this season. Yeah, they they switched to a four four two, which was which was quite interesting actually, um, because they made the pitch a lot wider than they did in the first half. Um, they went a lot more direct and in transition going forward, so on the counter attacks and what, and what have you, they were a lot better and they looked a lot more dangerous. Um, could that be the way Forest go going forwards? Potentially, um, I think if they come up against teams that are a lot more um, better off than than Derby, I think they will get found out in that in that formation, but. Um, I think the players that they've got and attacking players that they've got, the likes of Johnson, Grab and Taylor, get him on the pitch all at once is probably the best thing for Forrest at the minute because they just cannot score goals. They absolutely cannot. So it was a big relief for them for Brennan Johnson to find the back of the net right at the end of the game. The final question on this, has Chris Hewton saved his job? Because I was pretty much convinced that if Forrest had lost this, then he'd be in the job centre after this game. If the um, if the final also went at half time, which is a weird thing to say, definitely um, because that that first half performance can't can't say how bad it was. It was just dreadful. Brightened brightened up in, in the second half a little bit. Probably done enough to save his job after the uh, international break. But this run of form can't go on much longer. But they've scored. That's a positive. Yeah, if if they play anything like they did in the second half, then. It's going to be a massive improvement on what they've done so far this season. Um, having said that, it still wouldn't surprise me if Forrest did pull the trigger in the international break because it is, as we were alluding to in midweek, it's a good time to change manager because it gives them more time to work with the new players. So we'll wait and see. It wasn't the only derby this weekend, Justin. In the seven-side derby, Cardiff suffered their first loss of the season because of an Andy Vyman double, which gave Bristol City a 2-1 win. I tell you what, the volley that Andy Vyman scored with to win the game for them, what a volley that was. He's um, he's certainly become a much better player at Bristol City than he was at, at Derby. And I think that goal just typifies him a, a little bit because at Derby, he'd have snatched at that. Um, but for that ball to come down the way it did, uh, just over the defender's head, and for him to get a perfect collection on it the way he did, is really, really good play and... Um, yeah, as, as we as we know, he's he's a player. He's so important for Bristol City. When he plays well, um, he's going to score goals, and he, I think he's undervalued and underrated in the championship as well. And he's he's showing just what he can do when he's alongside someone like Chris Martin, for example. Well, he's got a few now in the early yeah. games this season, and he's looking like a key player for Bristol City. He adds something different to them, doesn't he? Because they aren't a side that has much pace going forwards. Mm. So he adds that to the side and he you know, stretches defences, what have you, and we all know how hard he works. So yeah, he's turning out to be a key player for Bristol City and long may it continue. I thought this was actually a fairly even game, but it's a brilliant result for Bristol City, who so far this season, Justin, had, had a pretty so-so start, hadn't they? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a very good away performance from Bristol City where they didn't create an awful lot of chances, but they took the ones that they did create, unlike Cardiff. Um, I think they capitalised on, on some poor defending from Cardiff. Um, but it was a very good tactical win for, for Pearson and Bristol City, and it's something that they um, that they can build on. 
you know, it was a, it was a performance that was full of running, defensively very organised, and um, I mean you've got to be defensively organised against this Cardiff team because of how good they are from from set pieces, throws, and crosses, and anything anything in the air essentially. So yeah, it was a very good performance from Bristol City. From Bristol City, but Cardiff will be really disappointed that they didn't take their chances. Yeah, of course. Well, Mick McCarthy said that after the game that he's disappointed. Um, you're always going to be that way when you lose a derby anyway, aren't you? But uh, I think this is a game that they will look back on and think we probably should have got something from this. Um, the away side has now won this derby in the last five times they've met. So odd. Such an odd stat. Mm. Uh, sexy Stoke had a bad day at the office at Craven Cottage. They were comfortably beaten 3-0 by Fulham. I went into this thinking it might be a close game, but it really, really wasn't, was it, Justin? It's a bit of a marker from Fulham, isn't it? With the team that they've got, with the quality they've got going forwards. Um, it was a superb performance from Fulham. There's nothing nothing short of it. Um, did you know that they scored first in the first 30 minutes in all of their games so far this season? I didn't. But well, there you go, there's stat. a... It's a, it's a very good stat. Um, but I think them doing that, it just makes it impossible for teams to get back at them because of how good they are at keeping the ball, because of how good they are at opening you up. Going 1-0 up in the first half an hour or, or early on in a game, yeah, you just, it's an uphill battle from there if you're the side that are a victim, uh, victim to that. Well, it's not like they score early and then sit back, is it? They could have no. scored probably about five here at least. Mm. Um, Mitrovic missed a penalty and it really was a very one-sided game. We've been praising Stoke a lot here and I, I don't think you can read too much into this game from their perspective. Uh, but for Fulham, it really is, a, as you say, a marker of how good a side they are. And I know we're only five games into the season, Justin, but it's becoming incredibly difficult to see Fulham finishing anywhere other than the top two. Uh, with West Brom probably not far behind either. So, yeah, a very, very impressive performance from Fulham, pulling all the strings here. And for Stoke, it was a bit of a humbling, really, wasn't it? It was. I think there are times that they did keep the ball well. I mean, possession was quite equal. The amount of passes both sides made were quite equal. But you look at Fulham's dribble stats, for example, 20 completed dribbles to Stoke's seven. It just highlights the quality between the two sides because Fulham have that, quality in that edge that Stoke don't have but it doesn't mean that Stoke are a bad side Fulham are just Fulham are just better and as you as you quite rightly said um, it's not really something to dwell on I think this performance because Fulham are just too good it's it's perhaps something that they can use as a bit of a motivator um, for Stoke because it was there wasn't, there just wasn't too much wrong with the performance other than conceding the chances and goals that they did Apart from getting battered. Apart from getting um, battered, yeah. Yeah, well, Fulham are just proven to be a different class to every other team in the division, apart from, obviously, West Brom and possibly a couple of others. But, yeah, very, very impressive from the cottages here. We go from one spanking to another, Justin. Keep that spanking alarm ringing, because Huddersfield spanked Reading 4-0. And this is one I did not see coming. Where the hell did this come from? Almost as many times you said spanking in the last 30 seconds, yeah. <laughs> um, you, you're quite right, but I think Huddersfield, <clears throat> they've taken a while to get going. West Brom and Fulham are the only other sides in the league that have won three games in their trot, so you've got to give Huddersfield some credit. But it's a far cry performance from the one where they beat Preston with a with no shots on target. They, they as you say, absolutely battered Reading here, but they were helped by some really, really bad defending 
from from Reading. But saying that the amount of quality Huddersfield have going forwards is is a testament to them. And you know, I think they're a side that were fairly criticised in the opening games, but have slowly started to answer their critics pretty much. Yeah, well, three wins in on the trot now in the league, and this is the most impressive of all. Like, even though they did beat a very well-resourced Sheffield United team last week, this mm-hmm. was just absolutely clinical, and none more so than the boy Sorba Thomas again, who got two assists and a goal to his name, and he is just getting better and better every time I see him. Justin, I mean, you highlighted him first game of the season, didn't you, mm-hmm. when you went to Derby v Huddersfield? But he's looking like a real baller. He's just proving to be a real thorn in the side of any team he comes up against at the moment, isn't he? Well, let's say if he has a if he has a quiet game in open play, for example, um, but Huddersfield still create chances. Um, I mean, what, what I'm trying to say is, if he has a quiet game and he still has set pieces, he's still going to create chances because his delivery from set pieces is incredible. And what we're seeing now is his ability in open play with the ball at his feet is also very, very handy. So it's going to be interesting to see how he develops. Is he going to stay at wing-back for the rest of the season? Because I feel like he's going to be wasted there. Um, I think he's got a lot more to give going forwards, and I think he could be one of those in that front three uh, eventually once he starts to settle down a little bit. But yeah, he's so good, and it's good to see him. I mean, he was playing non-league, I think, this time last year. Um, Exactly, it's it's an incredible rise, and he's still very very young as well. So it's 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 they've got a very good player on their hands. I can't believe just how quickly he's he's got going essentially. Yeah, well he's had to make that step up, and it's a big step up into probably the biggest of any player in the championship this season. And he's mm-hmm. been absolutely amazing. He's been one of the best players so far this season. Uh, Jamie Burgers tweeted us asking, Huddersfield promotion push. <laughs> what do you think, Justin? Um. Let's taper it a little bit. We're, we're five games in. I mean, we're, we're, we get ahead of ourselves on here quite often. Um, but I think it's it's good to just stay stay grounded as a, as a Huddersfield fan just because you've seen how bad they can do or how bad they can play this season. Um, there's there's many hurdles to, to jump over yet, I think, for Huddersfield. But um, games like this prove what they can do. So if they can consistently perform like this, I don't see why not. But they've got a good handful of very good championship players, haven't they? It was just... Um, how bad they were defensively last season and Carlos Corbin having a few question marks over his head. But yeah, let, let, let's wait and see with Huddersfield for now. It is three wins, but it is just three wins on the trot. So yeah, let's uh, let's not start going for top six just yet. Uh, but for Reading, Justin, it's starting to look a bit concerning for them, isn't it? They've lost four of their last five games now. And it amazes me how shocking they are defensively it's something we spoke about last week but it seems to be getting worse yeah it's 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 quite weird because they were so good at defending last season they yeah. were it was one of the mainstays in, in in why they um stayed in the top six for so long um but if you look at the goals today for example Andy Renamotta had a nightmare for the first goal <laughs> it just goes straight through his legs quite comical really um the second goal Matty Pearson's in between two Reading players uh, and so on and so on. It was just really, really poor from from the offset, and they're not doing themselves any favours because they keep defending poorly. They're giving themselves too much work to do in games, um, and you know I think the team just needs a bit of a reset during the international break to go again. You know we're five five games in. It's it's nothing to be too alarmed about, but you've got to eradicate because you've got to eradicate these issues because thirteen conceding thirteen goals in five games is relegation form. 
yeah, it's shocking. Well, Reading fans were actually saying to us that it's because John O'Shea has left because he was the coach mm. there uh, before. But he must be the best defensive coach in the world because for a team to go from being so solid to this leaky at the back is quite a drastic change. So I feel like there's more to it, but they have signed Baba Rahman on loan from Chelsea now. So that should help things out a bit. But the rest of the events really needs to take a good look at themselves after how they've done so far this season. Jake Cooper scored in the 90th minute for Millwall to help them pick up their first win of the season after beating Blackpool 2-1. Blackpool were down to 10 men for 76 minutes. So fair play to them for nearly nicking a point here. I wouldn't call it a convincing win for Gary Rowett's boys, Justin, but it's a win nonetheless. Yeah, I think Rowett highlighted it in his, his post-match press. He said essentially that um, the, the pressure was on from the offset to get a result in this in this game or to get a win in this game. And you could see it, I think Blackpool going down to 10 men so early didn't help things for, for Millwall. Um, I think, again, it's something else he, he mentioned that going down to teams going down to 10 men can make it harder for you. And um, you saw that at times with Millwall. And I think Blackpool getting the first goal, really poor defending. Gave them a lot of work to do, but when you've got players like Jed Wallace essentially carrying you going forward at times, it, it really does help. But we've said it already, Millwall need to improve massively if they've got any aspirations of, of finishing in the top six this season. Yeah, and that still is the case now, despite yeah. this win here. To be fair to Blackpool, I mean, I was just saying they nearly nicked a point despite being down to 10 men for the vast majority of the game, but they were still creating chances here. As you as you as you were alluding to, when you're down to ten for so long, you'd expect mm. them to just be set back, but they were still creating a decent amount of chances. And I did have my question marks about Blackpool at the start of the season. It is still the start of the season, I should say, but um, and I still have question marks over them now. But they are getting better. They are starting to look like they are that they do belong in this division. It's going to take a lot more for them to stay up because they need to actually get three points on the board instead of just picking up draws here and there but I, I will admit that they are looking like more of a championship side mm. um, over the past couple of games so yeah positives all round for this game QPR continued their unbeaten starts of the season they beat Coventry 2-0 a beautiful goal from Lyndon Dykes an absolute peach from him and QPR continued to live up to our expectations Justin I'm going to throw another fact at you as well. Do it. I love it. Each of the three times that QPR have been undefeated in their second tier, they've won promotion. So they've done it three times where they've been unbeaten in the first five games. And in, uh, those uh, across those three times, they've won promotion. And well, they're doing it again. It's just, oh, What, you think they're going up, do you? Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> they're currently doing it. They're currently doing it. They're currently doing it. But, um, I mean, the performances, you look at last week quite poor for a large period of the game they get back into it this this uh, this game this week against against Coventry Coventry created chances but QPR stood firm and they and they took their chances and that's that's the making of a very very good side and you know let's not forget um the injury problems that they've got as well and they're still putting performances in it's it's quite um I won't say incredible but it's it's very very positive for QPR at the minute yeah well I don't think they were excellent here I I, I mm. thought they were good but not amazing, but they still come out with the win. And when you're doing that, that is the sign of a good side because the front three here, Austin, Willock and Chair, were very quiet compared to their usual standards. However, mm. 
they still get the win, especially when the likes of Dykes and Barbe are stepping up with the goals instead. I thought Barbe was absolutely class here, by the way. So yeah, QPR really looking like they're the real deal this season. So one to keep an eye on there. Commentary, that's their first loss of the season. Um, but I, I think Mark Robbins can take away some positives from this. There are definitely a lot of positives in this game. It's just poor defending probably cost Coventry the point. You look at Willock being allowed to cross the ball um, for the first goal. You know, he got too much time and space and Barbie going in for the second. Again, too much time and space. So it's something they'll learn from definitely. But they created plenty of chances. Um, I think certain individuals had, had quiet games um, by their standards. But it's something, you know, it's, it's a good away performance. You go away to a top side and you come away disappointed not getting a point. Or, or a result essentially it's, it's, it's a sign of a good performance and good things going forward I said uh, first loss of the season excuse me second loss of the season but still very Terrible. good start to the season yeah a, a good podcast presenter would have checked that before <laughs> <laughs> just let's have a break after that we'll talk about a win for Preston and a hell of a lot of draws in the rest of the championship games Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Preston, they beat Swansea 3-1. And considering how bang average Preston have looked so far this season, Justin, this was a lot better from them, wasn't it? Yeah, miles better. Miles better. It was, as you say, really good performance. Great character as well, going a goal down and immediately getting a goal back. Um, I think that's down to tactics, essentially, from McAvoy. They look so much better playing through at the back. The last two games, they've looked a lot better. There's, there's more balance, uh, balance about them when they do. Defensively, they're more solid, obviously. Um, and I feel like they'll pick up more results playing this way than they will. Because uh, I think McAvoy played it fairly often last season um, under his tutelage. So, you know, I expect him to do a lot better going forwards with this style and formation than they would be for at the back. Because um, I think their full-backs are a bit suspect if they're isolated. So, yeah, definitely playing the wing-backs will, will get them more results. Well, Scott Sinclair was dropped for this game, came off the bench, but they started with Jakobsen and Maguire up front and the striker options have been our big concern so far this season. It does look like they're still looking to get a striker in um, before the transfer window closes. Obviously, Connor Wickham has been training with them as well. So I imagine they will be better in that department. But as you say, three at the back, looking very tidy from a Preston perspective and that midfield is still eye-wateringly good mm. for a, a, a team like Preston um, I will give Preston praise but I also thought Swansea were very poor and I'm getting a bit concerned Justin about just how shocking Swansea are at the back because they are so open so so open and they're just looking really really bad and it's getting to the point where I, I know Russell Martin Obviously, he's coming to the club. He's having to change the style of play from what we saw under Steve Cooper last season. But at what point do you start to question what's going on at Swansea? Because when you concede in as many chances as they are, then it is very, very concerning and things need to improve drastically, don't they? I think it, it is alarming. But when you put things into context, Martin came in, uh, a week, two weeks before the season started, they've had a COVID outbreak in the in the squad as well. 
it's a new system, style of play, demands are different from Martin than, than what they were to, to Steve Cooper with and without the ball. Um, and it's just going to take time to bed all of that in. The first five games, five, six, seven games of the season, it's always a form table. You know, you, you look at um, you look at results rather than uh, the amount of games that are left, essentially. Um, so, you know, poor, poor performances and, and, and defeats and, and not picking up points isn't necessarily the end of the world. Um, I think, as I say, it's just going to take time for this style of play to bed in. And, but what, what you know, I'm I'd, saying is, how much time? How much time before we start to question what's actually going on here? As I said, I, I think it's a progressive appointment from Swansea, um, and, and Martin, his style of play is so unique. It's, it, it will it will take time, but I think they need players to play it. I don't think they've got those players at the moment. They need to recruit. I mean, goalkeeper, for example, is Stephen Bender the right keeper to play this style of play? I don't think he is. Who can they bring in um, at short notice? I think I think Swansea. It's it's, it's 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 very much a transition and, and, and it's going to keep being a transition. Um, they need a couple of transfer windows to get the players in to play the system, but I don't think it's the end of the world. It will come good eventually because, you know, I think Martin's a very, very good coach and he, and he will tweak things as and when they need to be tweaked. Well, Russell Martin said after the game that there's going to be transfer chaos at Swansea in the last few days of the window. So uh, expect them to make some moves over the next few days. Barnsley and Birmingham, they drew one all. Not sure how, because the fact that Birmingham haven't won here is a bit of an injustice because they absolutely battered Barnsley, Justin. It's, yeah, Barnsley had these these moments where, um, I mean, they, they looked a lot better last, last week away from home than they did at home. I don't know whether that's teams leaving space in behind them. Um, but as you say, Birmingham, the amount of chances they created, they wouldn't be walking away with just a point is... is um, is a bit of an injustice, as you say, uh, but both teams fought very hard and cancelled each other out. But you know, you, it's like the, the 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 goal that Barnsley conceded again, defending was poor. The the, the goal that Birmingham City de- uh, conceded, the defending was poor, and these these things just level out quite nicely. But as you say, Birmingham should have come away with the uh, the win definitely, and it's taking chances again. They did it last week, probably took too many chances last week, and it's just filtered into this week where they, they weren't able to do it. Yeah. I know they didn't get the result here, but the transformation from Ito Karanka's Birmingham to Lee Bowyer's Birmingham has been nothing short of spectacular. They're just a completely different side, aren't they? Because last last season, if Birmingham were in this situation here, they probably would have lost. But mm. now they're looking like a really, really threatening side to other teams in the division. And if they keep playing like this, sure, as I say, didn't get the result here, then the results will continue to come. And I know we were expecting Birmingham probably to finish about you know mid-table, lower mid-table. But now I'm looking at them and I've really been impressed with them so far. And I think they can set their sights higher than that. I'm not sure how high, but if they continue to play as well as this, then keep going, boys. Because uh, you, you'll <laughs> confound a lot of expectations so far this season. Sheffield United's woes in front of goal. They continued after they drew nil-nil with Luton. They were very lucky to take anything from this game because I thought Luton were the better side here, Justin. Yeah, after what was a disaster uh, last week for Luton against Birmingham City, um, every every bit of play in this game was was marginally, marginally, massively, much, much better. Um, and yes, Sheffield United are shy of attacking teams or, or, or creating chances but um, Luton kept them quiet created chances for themselves and I think on another day they'd have probably 
wouldn't say nick the three points but they would have got the three points quite easily because as you say Luton were the better side here well Sheffield United had more than two thirds of the possession but was still pretty toothless in front of goal and I know we keep banging on about it Justin but when you've got this much talent in the team and you just you've scored one goal in five games mm-hmm. it's really poor really really poor yeah. especially when you've got 50 million pounds worth of strikers <laughs> in the squad as well and Slavisio Kanovic actually said that for the game this is a direct quote the board must do what they promised me before I came here and refresh the squad that's it this is simple I cannot explain it in a different way. They must do it, and I'm confident they will do it. You've got a strike force which has cost probably twice as much as most championship sides, and yet they still need more players. And I don't know who to point the fingers at at this point, Justin. It's pretty much nailed it, haven't you? Who do you point the finger at? Is it the board? Is it... Uh, the previous regime in charge is it Chris Wilder? Is it is it Yukanovich for not adapting his his style of play to this to this group of players? Who is at blame here? It's 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 so difficult to to, to put your finger on, as you say. Um, but what what needs to improve is is the attacking mentality going forward. It has to be better. And I've seen a lot of Sheffield United fans on on Twitter actually question whether or not the players that have got them to where they are now whether they're good enough. The likes of Norwood and Fleck, have they seen better days? McGoldrick, Billy Sharp, Chris Basham, are they relying on them and them players too much? There's enough in this team to to do better and um, what they've shown so far is just laughably, laughably not good enough. It's, it really isn't. All you've got to do as a neutral is look at the starting eleven that played against Luton this weekend and ask how on earth has this team A, not battered Luton that's no disrespect to Luton but the talent they've got is, is just a, it's, it's an abundance of riches and B how have they been second best here it's mm-hmm. I, I imagine Sheffield United will be another side who are busy in a, the transfer window before it closes but as I say when you've got this squad there's very little excuse really for Jokanovic and the players to have this poor start Hull nil Bournemouth nil very good result for Hull, who I was just starting to get a bit worried about, Justin, uh, after some recent performances, which have been pretty damn poor. Uh, but this was a lot better, wasn't it? It's a much-needed clean sheet for them. Uh, as you say, after some poor games and poor defending, really, um, it's a much-needed clean sheet. That's a, that's a major positive. I think the only negative you can take away from it is they haven't scored since the, since the opening day, which is a, in the league anyway, which is a massive worry. Um, I thought their attack... You know, coming into the season was much stronger than their defence, um, and it's, uh, it's it will be something that needs addressing. That that Grant McCann will need to address in the international break certainly. But yeah, it is a positive to keep a clean sheet and get a nil-nil draw against against a strong Bournemouth side. I'll tell you what, Bournemouth still unbeaten, one of the few teams still not have lost a game so far this season, Justin. But I can't say they've been particularly outstanding so far. What do you think? Yeah. They're, yeah, you're pretty right. Um, I'm trying to sort of think back to some games where, I mean, in West Brom, uh, the West Brom game at the start of the season, there were spells in that where they looked really good and there were spells in that where they looked poor. And it's probably been the same um, same throughout certain games uh, this season so far. But you look at this this game against Hull, for example, they had chances, they were kept at bay by, by Matt Ingram. Um, these are the games they need to win if they aspire to keep pace with, with West Brom and Fulham because... 
as we've seen so far, they've been the pace setters. Well, they're another team who have got such a talented squad, but I'm just looking at the XG data, and I know we don't talk about this too much, Justin, um, but they've got the fifth lowest uh, XG going forward so far this season, which the side that's got the likes of Solanke, Brooks Mm. in it is pretty shocking. I mean, Jaden Anthony's impressed us so far this season, but the fact that they are that low in the data table is pretty, pretty poor. Uh, I'm just looking at this Bournemouth side at the moment and it just reeks of the Fulham team that we saw (laughs) under Scott Parker a couple of seasons ago, uh, where they've been ticking over, but considering the players they've got, maybe Mm. not picking up the results that you'd expect. So I'm hoping Bournemouth will get better, but I I can't say they've uh, particularly caught my eye so far this season. There were two red cards at the Riverside Stadium as Borough drew one all with Blackburn. Hayden Carter and Sam Morsey both sent off in separate incidents. Uh, really, not too much to write home about here, Justin. <laughs> it was a, it wasn't, it wasn't an amazing spectacle. It's got to be said. Let's talk about the goals, though. All right, both the goals in this game were incredible. Sam Gallagher, not prolific, but an incredibly undervalued player in the Championship. His finish was fantastic, in off the post in the top corner, and Johnny Housen. He used to be a goal-scoring midfielder, and then it disappeared for a, for a bit. And then his run from deep behind uh, the Blackburn defence and his chip over the keeper. Wow. If that was... that, It just reminded me of Zidane a lot and Kaka. Just the the gracefulness of Halson in this in this scenario was fantastic. Zinedine Halson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's the title of the episode sorted right there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, a, a point seems like a fair result for both sides in this game. And uh, we're actually recording this episode before the West Brom Peterborough game. So here's Ryan from the future to go quickly through how that game went. West Brom won 1 0 after a 94th minute winner from Semi Ajayi. This was an awful game. Can't necessarily say West Brom deserved the three points because it was a fairly even one, actually. Peterborough defended brilliantly and were very unfortunate to concede so late on um, but yeah apart from that it was a pretty poor game but Darnell Furlong did use someone's hoodie from the crowds to dry the football for his throw-ins which I found thoroughly entertaining and probably the most entertaining part of this match thank you Ryan from the future and now it's time for this Yes, it's time for the news. And guess what? Derby versus the EFL is back. The Telegraph's reporting Derby having talks with the EFL over a settlement for alleged breaches of financial rules. The EFL have proposed a nine-point deduction, but Derby is said to be unlikely to agree to that. Both sides are keen for it to be resolved, though. Um, Justin, Derby fan, are you excited that this battle carries on? Oh, it's the battle of the century, isn't it? What what What's funny about this is the EFL have gone, we're going to give you a nine-point deduction, and Derby have gone, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. We refuse. <laughs> we refuse. But it sounds like there's going to be a points deduction, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. It just depends yeah, yeah, yeah. how big the deduction is. And it, I mean, uh, four, four five-point deduction, it's not the end of the world for Derby, really, is it? It isn't because they've actually had a good start, which has surprised everyone. But it, it's it's something that shouldn't be negotiable, um, and it just highlights how weak and how much the EFL um, make it up as they go along. It, it's just something that should not be negotiable. They should go right. You've 
you've effed up F- FFP. Um, that's a technical, technical way of saying it. You've been very naughty. You've, you've spent too much money. You spent this much money, so it's three points. Or you've you spent this much money, it's five points. There should be a set um, set guidelines for the EFL to go off, but they're just making it up as they go along, which is a frustrating thing. Um, as a Derby fan, I don't. I hope it's not too bad. I, I think. Um, I think anything over. Uh, I think anything over the three points is is very very harsh, given that they're going to get punished for overspending, which other clubs have gone unpunished for in the past. Well, the EFL they agreed. That derby didn't do anything wrong, didn't they? Before, but now are saying that's not the case anymore. You've been very naughty. Here's mm. a here's a points deduction. Uh, so it's all very confusing. It's all very complicated. But yeah, the EFL aren't coming out great in this either. I think we can both agree on that. West Brom have brought in two lone players: Jordan Hugel from Norwich and Jason Malumbi from Brighton. I, I, I can only assume they've been brought in to add depth because very good championship players, but they're not improving the starting eleven particularly, are they? I think maybe, maybe, maybe not. I think the Malumbi one, uh, the Malumbi uh, loans with a view to a permanent, and the Hugo one. Hugo scores goals at championship level, whether he's coming off the bench or starting. Um, if you give him chances, he'll put them away. He's he's a very very useful player, um, and I think it's a good signing that. A lot of West Brom fans were pretty disappointed by, but he's gonna. I think he'll score quite easily at late, at least ten goals in this West Brom side, and Mulumbi's going to add a lot of energy into that midfield. That you know, it's going to be difficult to rely on Livermore and Mauer for the the whole season. So having someone like Mulumbi come in, pretty useful. I'm just, I'm just convinced Jordan Hugo is going to be a backup striker for a promotion chasing side for the rest of time at this point. Forrest have signed Max Lowe on loan from Sheffield United. Forrest obviously delighted because they finally signed a new left back. But of course, a former Derby Academy product, Justin, are you clenching your fist, shaking it at the sky at the thought <laughs> of Max Lowe going to the other side of the Trent? I would be if Max Lowe wasn't such a nice lad. Um <laughs> He's is very very uh, very very nice, um, and he's come across very well in his interviews. It's a good signing for Forrest. I don't think he's as good as attacker as some fullbacks are. He's a very good defender, can improve going forwards. So we'll see how this one plays out for Forrest, but certainly an improvement on Bong. Well, Forest fans have got nothing to complain about before because when we were saying how good their squad was, they were saying, "Oh, but the fullbacks aren't very good," and now they've signed two on loan. So if they don't improve now, then <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Reading have signed Chelsea left-back Baba Rahman and former Barcelona midfielder Alan Hilalovic. Uh, Rahman, very surprising because he, at one point, was expected to be a world-beater of a left-back, but his career's clearly not taken off. Uh, But, obviously, Reading looking to replace Omar Richards, so it makes complete and utter sense. Alan Hilalovic, he was at Birmingham last season, once he looks all right in spells, but... He, I'm guessing he's just back up to John Swift, really. Probably, yeah. As you say, to add a little bit of depth. He's got a very good left foot, but it's just getting it out of him consistently. But as you say, looked all right in spells. Birmingham quite... I mean, was, it, was he released by Birmingham in the summer? Or was it just a free transfer to Reading? I didn't quite work that one out, actually. I don't... See, it's one of them where I think they were trying to sort out a new deal, but he just then got released because they couldn't yeah. work anything out. So now he's gone permanently to Reading instead mm. um, but yeah I, when it's a former Barcelona midfielder who's tipped to be 
a world beater as well. Uh, they're just signing a team of <laughs> former world beaters, aren't they? Yeah. Really, <laughs> for players tipped to be uh, world beaters, I should say. Um, but anyway, let's move on. Hall of Sign Sheffield United striker Tyler Smith. He scored 10 goals for Swindon last season. Alexander Mitrovic has signed a new five-year deal at Fulham. And finally, Justin, we had a direct message this week from Jos Villalon, who said, just listening to this week's programme, you not only have random fans in Romania, but also in Mexico. Greetings oh, wow. from there. I know, that, that really made my my week just hearing that we've got fans in mexico now as well but if you are listening to this in a country that isn't the uk america ireland or i know the united arab emirates where we seem to get quite a few listeners Mm. and you're from somewhere a bit random then let us know i love hearing where our episodes are going out to justin right justin now it's time for this hi simon chris and ed So this is Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight, but Justin, you may have noticed that you're on your own this week. How concerning for you. Um, <laughs> he looks so fish <laughs> uh, So I decided, since we haven't got any guests this week, that you could have a crack at Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight on your own. You all right with that? Oh, good. It's not like it's stressful with people. It's going to be absolutely mind-blowing without them. It's going to scar me for a long time, I think. Good. Good to hear. <laughs> Simon asked Justin to name eight of a certain subject, but if he gets one wrong, he loses. Obviously, we usually do it with other people, but uh, because it's you and just you on your own, I thought I'd give you a question that I'd expect you to get right, but this is a real test of your championship expertise mm. right here. Of course, we've had the East Midlands derby this weekend, and Chris Hutton has been hanging on to his job by a thread. But can you name the last eight forest managers, not including Chris Hewton. How do you feel about that? I think I can. I, I think I, I can. I, I'd expect you to, but I, I wonder if there might be a couple who uh, just you completely forget about. So, uh, yeah, Justin, eight, last eight forest managers, not, inclusive, not including Chris Hewton. Have a crack. Right, let's go. We are going to go with... Uh, oh, it's not a good start. Um, Namushi. Yeah. He was in charge of Forest just before Mr. Hewton. Yep, next one. Um, did he take over from Warburton? Mark Warburton was an ex-Forest manager, but mm. uh, Lamushi didn't take over from him. So you've got two so far. You've got six more to go. We'll go with Karankin next. I'm trying to do it chronologically, but I've already, already yeah, failed at that. completely messed that up. Mm. Uh, yeah, Karanka was the third last manager in charge uh, next one we'll go with uh, Philip Montagne next the legend that is Big Phil yep Matt Mills did not have nice things to say about him in our <laughs> meets episode uh, next um, and I've already said Karanka haven't I yes um, then we'll go with Dougie Friedman mm-hmm. now you are doing it in chronological order so you've got uh, five down you've got three more to go so who was there before Dougie Friedman Oh, see, there was there's a there's a few in a in a period of time that were really uh, Steve Cotterill. You're wrong, Justin. Oh, You've got my... it wrong. There's that there's a, there's that period between 2012. And... Let's be fair. Forrest have had a lot of managers in the last yeah, eight years. But it's that period between 2012 and 2015. Oh Christ, Stuart Pearce. Yes. 
Yes, you're absolutely right. It was Stuart Pearce. You're having to go back quite far at this point, aren't you? For a, yeah. Which is a bit surprising considering Forrest it's... do go through managers like boxers. But um, yeah, Stuart Pearce was the one before that. Can you guess who was before Stuart Pearce? It was Billy Davis before Pearce, wasn't it? It was indeed. Can you figure out the last remaining manager you haven't got? Um, it's Alex McLeish. No, it's not. Oh my who, God! Who see, did see what I mean? Who did Lamushi take over from? Oh, that's the one that's done me. Um, it's really forgetful. I, I, Roy uh, Keane was his assistant. Oh, Marcus O'Neill. Yeah, that was a forgetful yeah. spell, wasn't it? Yeah, a very dull <laughs> spell. Uh, but yeah, uh, so. Justin, you failed at Simon Grayson's hate for late in one that you probably should have got. How do you feel? It, it honestly, that period between 2012 and 2015 is just—it's a lottery. It's a, yeah, it's it's a lottery. It, it really is. But I'm I'm very disappointed because my quiz form this season has been very much like Sheffield United's attack. It's just been really underwhelming. It's got all the potential and value there, but it's just not not hitting the mark at the minute. Really poor. I've got faith in you coming back at the moment so uh, let's see if you do that in a week's time or whenever we next do an episode uh, just before we go then ladies and gentlemen uh, make sure that you vote for us in the football content awards yes that's right we've been nominated for best football league podcast and we would really appreciate you taking just 10 seconds of your time to vote for us we've got a link in the description of this episode alternatively you can google football content awards um, if it's any motivation Fulham fans are trying to sabotage the vote by voting for another podcast <laughs> So, if you want to see Fulham fans angry, then uh, make sure you vote for us. Alternatively, if you are a Fulham fan and understands that we are just joshing around with you, then uh, please vote for us as well, because it's all good fun at the end of the day, isn't it? Uh, So yeah, Football Content Awards, vote for us as Best Football League Podcast, please. Um, Otherwise, we are not doing an episode this Thursday. We're, We're having a mini break. I think we deserve one, Justin, considering we haven't had a break since God knows when. We carried on ploughing through throughout the season, throughout the summer, didn't we? So uh, we're going to have a well-deserved break and then we'll be back again on Sunday when we'll probably do a Q&A or something like that. Does yeah. that sound good with you? Yeah, I don't see why not. I, I mean, I'd be up for a live stream while you're on holiday, you know. You're in Ibiza, aren't you? So I'm going to Ibiza, yes. <laughs> I, I am looking forward to getting out of this country so much because this is the first time I'll leave Britain in two years. So I'm going to have a jolly good time in Ibiza, but I will not be live streaming from a beach there, unfortunately <laughs> for you. Uh, but yes, this has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Sunday. It, we are, If we do do a Q&A, make sure you send over your questions to us on Twitter, direct messages or, or Instagram or whatever social media platform you want to use. And uh, we'll tally them all up and answer them next week. So as I say, this has been the Secretary Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening.